I'm Felix Salmon, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Tuesday, November the 16th, and we're focused on Big Pharma. I'm recording this show with a slightly sore arm because I got my COVID booster shot yesterday. Yay me. I've now been injected with three doses of mRNA COVID vaccine. This is awesome for me, but it's deeply unfair. Roughly half the planet has received zero. In Nigeria, less than 3% of the population has received a single dose of vaccine. So for Nigerians, what they really want, and for what the rest of the unvaxxed humans on the planet want, is for global vaccine production to ramp up to the point at which everyone has easy access to the vaccine. That doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. Pfizer and Moderna are the companies that own the patents on the mRNA vaccines. They control where it goes. And what they've been doing is making sure that it goes overwhelmingly to the rich countries who can pay top dollar for it. And most importantly, they're not allowing the poor countries to just make their own versions of the vaccine and distribute that. The result is the big pharma is making enough vaccine for me, it's not making enough vaccine for the planet, and that means that COVID is going to run rampant for basically as far as the eye can see. That's terrible for the global economy. It's terrible for the American economy, but it's kind of good for Pfizer because it's going to mean that people are going to want these booster shots year after year after year. People are going to get COVID, and when they get COVID, they're going to want the pill to treat COVID. Now, the news today is that Pfizer has agreed to allow its pill to get manufactured and distributed in poor countries, unlike the vaccine. Merck said something similar last month. After the break, I'm going to speak to Bob Herman, who covers healthcare here at Axios, about why Pfizer has open-sourced the pill, but not the vaccine. I'm joined now by Axios's own Bob Herman, who reports on the healthcare business. Bob Herman, welcome. Hello, Felix. The news today, Pfizer is kind of sort of making its COVID pill available for free, or at least without having to be paid a licensing fee in some countries, which are poor countries, but not all poor countries. Yeah, that's right. They they struck a licensing deal with this nonprofit called the Medicines Patent Pool, and it's with the United Nations. And it basically says, hey, generic drug companies, you can basically take the recipe for this COVID pill and make it and distribute it to these 95 low and middle income countries. A lot of it is in Africa. And it actually includes some other countries that weren't part of a, of a separate deal. The big difference here between the pill and the vaccine is that while Pfizer could have done this for the vaccine, they didn't for any countries. There are no countries which are getting the vaccine without any kind of IP licensing fee. That's right. So this licensing deal is just for the COVID pill. And keep in mind, the COVID pill, early data suggests it's super effective in preventing severe hospitalizations and even death. So the, the pill obviously has a lot of promise. Uh, but you're right. There's zero deals, licensing deals anywhere in terms of Pfizer sharing the recipe for the vaccine with any manufacturer anywhere. They and their partner, BioNTech, are doing it all on their own. And Pfizer was kind of backed into a corner here because Merck also has a COVID pill. And Merck had already announced something along these lines. And it would have been a really weird look for Pfizer to fail to lead where Merck had already gone. 
a month ago, Merck, as you said, they did the same thing. They got together with this UN's medicines patent pool, said, hey, we're going to license it out. Great news. If Pfizer didn't do that for its own COVID pill, it would have been an even worse PR look for a company that has already had really bad PR because it's not sharing its vaccine intellectual property. Now, the standard argument from the pharma world and from Pfizer in particular, when you ask them why they're not opening up the patents for Pfizer, or even when you talk to the US government, which has the ability to just force Pfizer to give up its patents under public health considerations, is the sucking of teeth sound and saying, well, manufacturing these vaccines is really hard. And we don't want to trust just anyone in anywhere to to manufacture the vaccines. We should make sure we manufacture them ourselves to the highest possible standards. And if there's not enough to go around the whole world, then shrug, who, you know, I'm sorry, I guess that's just going to be the way it is. And presumably, the pill is a lot easier to manufacture than the vaccine. So is this at least consistent with that argument? Pfizer's vaccine is the newer breed of mRNA vaccines. Um, they really hadn't been in production before the pandemic hit. So, yeah, they want to make sure that the quality is up to its highest, highest standards. The COVID pill, it's a small molecule pill, this is the kind of technology that's been around for decades. This is much less of a hurdle to get over. There's another argument here, and it's, well, we need to have the incentives to make the next vaccine for the next pandemic, right? So we want to make sure that we control the entire scope of it so we can be there for the next pandemic. Although really all they did on this one was like license something from BioNTech. And BioNTech got money from the German government too. So it's not like this vaccine is free from public funding. And like Moderna got funding from Dolly Parton. So like really, the world should get all of these. But but clearly, like economically speaking, the vaccine and the maximization of access to the vaccine globally is the lowest hanging economic fruit in the world. For however many billions of dollars it would cost, it would create trillions of dollars in economic activity. We just selfishly in the United States would want the rest of the world to be as vaccinated as possible for a myriad of obvious reasons. Um, Why is it that the world seems to be so bad at creating a sufficient supply of vaccine to vaccinate the world? Is it just pharmaceutical company greed, or is there more to it than that? When it comes to the vaccines, at least the two most popular ones, the Moderna one and the Pfizer one, they do have the IP, uh, the intellectual property, so they can kind of control production. They are making a lot more now than they were at the beginning, but a lot of the supply is going to higher income countries. So basically what we have here is what has been known as vaccine nationalism, where People like me in the United States, I've now had three doses of the Pfizer vaccine when someone who really needs it, a frontline health worker in sub-Saharan Africa, will have had zero. This is clearly unfair and from a public health perspective, globally, just makes no sense at all. But the fact is that the Americans are willing and able to pay top dollar for these vaccines in the way that health workers in sub-Saharan Africa are not, Um, especially when you include all of the logistics of getting the vaccine there when it has to be imported because they're not allowed to make it themselves. Do you think that this kind of vaccine nationalism where the United States keeps a huge amount of vaccine for itself, where the amount of vaccine available for the rest of the world remains woefully insufficient. Is that going to remain in place for the foreseeable future? Yes, there's no reason to think that's going to change because the pharmaceutical companies have 
convinced a lot of federal officials that this is the right way to do it. And keep in mind, the United Nations has made a a so-called hub where the mRNA manufacturers can get together, share the recipe to very professional, quality, licensed manufacturers and get it out there quicker to these low-income countries that don't have supply. They are willfully not doing that. So, Yes, they they know that their markets in the U.S. and in Europe are willing to pay top dollar, and they have no reason for that to change, even though the virus is still raging not only here domestically but across the world. And there has to be a, a distinction between the vaccines and these pills. The pills are still, they could be a game changer because they could help prevent death among the unvaccinated. So in that regard, it's, it's kind of like a, a backup plan, right? If you're not vaccinated... Maybe you can take this pill and not die from COVID, which is obviously great. But the vaccines are still the best way to prevent death. And to prevent the disease from spreading. Because like, if I'm Pfizer, like weirdly, selfishly, I have this dream where there's never quite enough vaccine to go around the world, which means there's always the virus going around the world, which means there's constant demand for vaccine forever. And there's also constant demand for the pill forever. And the way they seem to be calibrating the rollout of both the vaccine and the pill seems to be, let's just say, entirely consistent with what is best for the Pfizer bottom line rather than what is best for the global economy. The overwhelming best case scenario is to manufacture the vaccine license it out to other people, get it out there, get as many vaccines in as many arms as possible, reduce the chances of variants like the Delta variant that spread because not enough vaccines were available. And then everyone's health thing gets back to normal. All the world economies get back to normal. That's clearly the best case scenario. We're no longer in the phase where we don't know how to produce the vaccines or there's not enough raw materials for the vaccines. Those challenges have, we've overcome them. Now it's simply a matter of who wants to make them, who gets to make them. And those decisions are ultimately up to governments and the pharmaceutical companies. And and when it comes to Pfizer and I guess Moderna as well, they're fighting pretty hard to say, this is our intellectual property. We should have control over how it gets distributed. These COVID pill licensing agreements are, it's fair to say that if they didn't do this, they would get hammered even more. So there's a PR play here, right? They have to do this because... (laughs) They also don't want everyone dying from COVID. And at least in this regard, the COVID pills provide that. But the vaccines are just, they're so lucrative right now. Why give that up? Pfizer alone expects $36 billion from vaccine sales this year. That came out of nowhere, right? That that didn't exist two years ago. Now they have it. So why give that up in many regards? Bob Herman, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Felix. Welcome back. What I'm watching today is the subscription economy. It seems like everything is a paid subscription these days. It's not just your phone bill anymore. It's like your exercise bike. Who thought you'd need to subscribe to a Peloton? It's Microsoft Office. It's Zoom. It's Slack. It's the newsletters you subscribe to, except for mine, which is free. Subscribe to Axios Capital. The problem here is that if it's not free and you want to cancel... Canceling is incredibly hard, and a lot of the time, you need to pick up the phone. You click a button to subscribe, you have to pick up the phone to cancel. That's asymmetrical, that's bad for consumers. And the FTC head, Lena Khan, has said, 
uh-uh, that's illegal. She has said that cancelling a subscription has to be at least as easy as subscribing was in the first place, and that if it isn't, the company with the subscription is breaking the law. What is this going to mean for newspapers? It could be a big deal, because the New York Times and more than half of the other newspapers in America are in that click-to-subscribe, call-to-cancel mode. They make it hard for people to cancel their subscriptions. If they're forced to make it easy for people to cancel their subscriptions, that could mean that their subscriber numbers start going down rather than up. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Felix Salmon, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.